This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders. Have you tried out Book Riot Insiders? If not, your time is now. It's our resource specially designed for our fellow book nerds, and you can try it for free for two weeks. There are different levels available, so you can decide which perks you want, from a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter to exclusive podcasts and giveaways. And speaking of perks, we've got a new release index curated by resident velocireader Liberty Hardy, so you can see the most exciting new books coming out in the next few months. Check it out and sign up for your 14-day free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 58, and we are recording on Tuesday, August 13th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I'm doing good. I've just realized, not just, but I've recently realized that we're getting back into like back to school season. Not that I'm going back to school, but my sister is a teacher and I have like nieces and nephews and stuff like that. And everyone's just been talking about going back to school. And I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even realize it was that time of year already. <laughs> well, I feel like most of my, most of my, the people in my life are are connected to a school in some way. My mom's a school librarian. My sister-in-law's a teacher. Like half of my friends are teachers. So, and like half the people on my Facebook friends list are teachers. So I feel like I have seen nothing but back to school stuff for like the last two months um, in some way, shape or form. But um, it just makes me extremely grateful that I don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah, same. Although I do love back to school supply shopping. Yeah, see that's that's one of the 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 weird things. Like I know I know teachers hate all the back to school stuff cuz it reminds them that they have to go back to work, but like so many people I know they're like, "Oh, I miss like picking out the new notebooks and like the fancy box of crayons." And I don't know, it just made me feel so prepared to like have this checklist of stuff that I that I was able to that I was able to check off and and then just load into my backpack and drag with me on that first day of school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that first week, that that first week was like the only week out of the school year where my desk was like reasonably well organized. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, the issue where I would just like stuff all of my papers inside my desk as I would like get them back. And then like a month or two in, my teacher would be like, you really need to clean out your desk. <laughs> Yes, that was I like I did not get reprimanded in school for much, but when I did, it was because my desk was messy. And I remember, okay, I was young, like I must have been like first grade maybe. I remember I think I came back after Christmas break or something and found that like a glue bottle had come un <laughs> had come undone and like like the 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 cover of my spelling workbook was like glued to the underside of my desk or <laughs> oh, something. <no. laughs> so I remember that. I feel like that was the low point <laughs> where I was just like, I come back from Christmas and everything's just glued to the inside of my desk. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but the good news is that you can really only go up from there. I feel like. <laughs> There you go. There's that half glass half full. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I bottomed out in first grade. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> I have our first sponsor for the episode, and that is Flatiron Books, who are the publishers of 13 by Steve Cavanaugh. Um, this summer, you can witness the murder trial of the century, but the serial killer in this story isn't on trial. He's on the jury. So this is Steve Kavanaugh's uh, breakout thriller. It's getting rave reviews from a lot of big name authors. Michael Connolly called it ingenious. Ruth Ware says uh, Steve Kavanaugh pulls off an enviable premise with panache. Um, and it also has blurbs from like Lee Child on it. It's a book that I've been hearing really, really good things about. And I actually have a copy of it. Uh, and I'm excited to see sort of what this whole thing is about. Because like to me, this has like a very like Dexter-esque uh, twist to it just in terms of like a serial killer potentially killing someone else I don't know maybe uh, for 
you know, the greater good or whatnot. Uh, so if that sounds of interest to you, then you can check out 13 by Steve Cavanaugh. And thanks so much to Flatiron Books for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, I will definitely have to make a note of that because we have a couple of patrons that love legal thrillers and they're always looking for something new. So I can jot this one down, make sure I've ordered it. And next time they come in, be like, here, legal thriller, different twist. Try it. (laughs) All right. So if you are joining us for the first time, welcome and welcome back to all of our uh, longtime listeners. Thank you. We thank you very much for listening to us uh, week after week or every two weeks or how often does the show run every two weeks (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness well we're we're grateful to everyone for listening to us um if you are new to the show we talk about mystery suspense thrillers true crime and anything and everything related to those subjects we we love a good murder mystery here and uh, this is the point in the show where our longtime listeners will know we put out a call for um We put out a call for episode topics, ideas, questions, uh, things that uh, listeners have been thinking about that they thought would be interesting for us to talk about on the show. Uh, We have gotten some really, some really great ideas. We've planned previous episodes around these ideas. We have at least one or two upcoming episodes based on um, based on ideas that listeners have sent to us. So we do we do really look at these and. And take them into consideration when planning our episodes. So we thank you very much if you have uh, provided input or feedback on that. We're very grateful. Uh, we will have our contact information at the end of the episode, so make sure to uh, to jot that down or make a note of it. Um, also, if you just want to chat and say hi and you know just talk about mysteries and stuff or anything book related, we love that too. Um, so either way, please do get a hold of us. But if you have an idea that you think would be cool for the show, let us know because, like I said, we ha- we have planned a lot of episodes around these ideas, and it's really interesting for us to hear what you guys are interested in. All right, to kick things off, I have a couple of news items to start off the episode, as we usually do. Um, First is that there's been some casting announcements for uh, BBC's new series adaptation of the Agatha Christie novel, The Pale Horse. So if you've read the book, Rufus Sewell is playing Mark Easterbrook, uh, who is the man trying to uncover the mystery of a list of names found on a dead woman. And Kaya Scodelario is uh, starring as Hermia, who is uh, Eastbrook's girlfriend. Um, So this is going to be a two-part series uh, that will be airing on the BBC in the United Kingdom and then on Amazon here in the United States. Um, There's been a number of other casting announcements related to this, um, which are a bunch of like British actors who I don't really know very well. So I'm not going to just run through their names. Uh, But BBC has been doing a lot of like Agatha Christie adaptations. And it's kind of nice that they're adapting one that isn't um, one of like the bigger name ones, in my opinion, like, I feel like the pale horse is one that's not usually like included on list of adaptations. Um, and it's like kind of a different story. Um, so yeah, I filming, they've already started filming, I believe. And I, there's no like date or anything like that included on here in terms of release, but I would guess either later this year or early next year is probably when it's going to come out. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. And then the other piece of news I just want to point out really quickly is that uh, Tana French did an interview uh, in The New Yorker. Um, It's really good. I highly recommend checking it out. It's pretty short or, you know, short for a New Yorker piece, I suppose. Um, But it is like a straight Q&A, which is nice. So it's something a little bit different. Um, It's yeah, it's a, it's a good interview. I think it's really interesting to sort of see her perspective on her writing and the things she decides to talk about. Um, she talks a little bit about how she started writing later in life. She didn't start writing uh, like professionally novels until she was in her 30s. Um, I didn't realize that she wasn't originally from Dublin. That was a new fact for me. Um, and she also talks about like writing the with the witch elm and sort of her decision behind making something that wasn't part of the Dublin murder squad series. So a lot of you out there like Katie and myself are huge ton of French fans. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention this in case you didn't see it. Um, it's a great interview. Definitely check it out. There will be a link in our show notes. I was going to say, and some of you because of us are huge ton of French fans. That is very true too. 
<laughs> so, um, and this, I feel like this is our semi-regular point. If you have not yet read Tana French, please do. Please, please do. She she is an amazing Irish unicorn. Except not, I don't, now when you said, because I haven't had a chance to read it yet, where is she originally from, if not Dublin? She just said, doesn't list the exact place where she was born or anything like that, because she says she, like, traveled a lot. Or, like, she was, like, an international kid. Like, I don't know if her parents were, like like military or something like that but she says like she lived everywhere in the world before she actually like settled in ireland um so yeah she doesn't say specifically because i was going to call her a magical irish unicorn but i was like well wait a minute that might not be accurate is she actually irish doesn't matter she's fantastic and y'all need to read her books All right. Um, so carrying on, we've got a couple of other news items. First, Netflix has ordered a an adaptation of the YA drama Tiny Pretty Things, which both Rincey and I have read and which I have uh, talked about on this show previously. Um, so the book is co-written by uh, Sona Shiraputra and Danielle Clayton. And it's part of a duology. It's Tiny Pretty Things and Shiny Broken Pieces. Yes. Okay. I The the titles are so similar. I always mess one of them up. Um, but anyway, this is for Tiny Pretty Things, the first book in the duology. It's set at a very prestigious New York City ballet school. And it follows a group of students who are all clamoring to be the number one dancer at this school. Each one has a really interesting background and each one has, each character has a really interesting set of complications and issues going on in their lives. The characters are really diverse and really fleshed out and it's exactly what you think. Drama filled, kind of suspenseful, backstabbing, elite ballerinas. If that totally sounds like it's up your alley, then you definitely need to read this. I think the the book was described as Pretty Little Liars Meets Black Swan, and that's exactly what it is. Um, so now it's getting the adaptation treatment. So Netflix has issued a 10-episode miniseries, which they believe will probably, uh, will probably debut in 2020. We don't have a specific date yet, but we do have a link to this uh, news item. So it has updates on, you know, who's been cast and the different characters and stuff like that. Um, and this would also be a great opportunity if you have not read, yet read the book, um, read it before the show comes out because it, it is both the books are are really good. Um, And then finally, uh, this came out, this last news item came out shortly before we recorded our last episode, but because there's kind of a lot to unpack here, um, we were like, well, let's let's save it for the next episode. Um, Slate put out uh, an article called The Dark History Behind the Year's Biggest Bestseller, which is where the crawdads sing. Um, if you are keeping up with mysteries at all, or if you work in a library, you know where the crawdads thing has been on the, on the bestseller list for months, months and months and months. Um, so it's kind of like this sleeper hit that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and this Slate article kind of focuses on this, this part of the author's history, which has been written about, and she, she had written like an old memoir, like in the nineties or something like that, that I think kind of, kind of touched on this. Um, but she and her then husband spent, uh, 22 years in Africa, kind of living on the land, working in wildlife conservation. Um, so they, they, uh, wrote a few memoirs talking about this, but interestingly enough, uh, they have, uh, they were the the author Delia Owens and her husband Mark were advised never to return to uh, Zambia where they were once living and working because they because her husband and her stepson were um, wanted for questioning in the murder of a poacher which was actually caught on national TV by an ABC camera crew um, this is a news program and they were doing a segment on the on Delia Owens and her family's conservation work in Zambia. Um, but her stepson and her husband have been implicated by some witnesses for murdering a poacher basically on live TV. 
it nothing no charges have been brought um nothing you know no nothing along those lines that directly implicates or that directly says that yes they were responsible or something along those lines but it was controversial enough that they basically told that they being I don't remember if it was the it was the government or just other people people at the US embassy but they were just like don't go back to Zambia and they have not um and this was in the mid 90s and so and t- they said to their knowledge the, um they have not been they have not been back there because of the controversy surrounding this so that's it's just like well <laughs> That's kind of a big thing. I mean, I guess that's not, like, I suppose if I were her, I would not be going around, you know, talking about it. So I'm not surprised that it's kind of, that it hasn't been reported, but it's, or that it hasn't been reported widely. But I feel like between this and the AJ Finn story that we talked about earlier, where he, where he was outed as a con man and just all of this other stuff it's like what's going on <laughs> i feel like that's the question i have is going, what is going on here um yeah i think so- it's one of those situations where like truth is stranger than fiction because like when looking at this slate article or reading through this slate article it like seems unreal like it's one of those weird stories where it's like it has to be true because it's so like wackadoodle to like read something like this and be like this is a thing that actually happened (laughs) like how is that possible um and how is it it's just like one of those weird situations that you kind of don't know what to do with yeah and one of the other things that they talk about in the article is they talk about certain elements in the story um the where the crawdads sing have they seem to they recall a lot of specific details that she has talked about in her memoirs of their time working and living in Zambia. And so it's interesting that the book is calling up some of these specific details um, about this particular time uh, and about this particular place that she is basically not, which basically she's not allowed to go back. Um I will say we obviously will have a link to this in the show notes. It is definitely worth a read. However, if you have not yet read the book and then plan to or and, and are still planning to read the book, you might want to skip this one. They do have spoilers in it. Um, at this point, I feel like I don't know if I'm going to get to it. So I did read through the article. So there are there are definitely big spoilers in there. So I will I will give that caveat. Um you can probably read, skim through the most important parts without, like, you can probably, like, as soon as they start talking about, you know, in the book where the crawdads sing, then just skip over to the next paragraph. Um, so you could probably skim it and avoid most of the big spoilers, but if you're, if you really want to avoid that, um, I would suggest holding off on reading this article until you read the book. Um, but yeah, is is so bonkers. Like, and now I'm wondering, like, okay, well, what what's the who's the next author where there's going to be some big expose published about them, and what's that going to be about? I mean, there's no way to possibly know just because, like, I never would have guessed Delia Owens or anyone to like for this story to come out, like for this author and with this book, because it seems like such a like sleep, like you said, a sleeper hit that's just like kind of came out of nowhere. So like. No one really knows anything about anything. And so, yeah, there's no way to know. Who knows? Maybe, like, I, I don't even know. I can't even speculate because it feels, like, so crazy. But I'm, like, maybe some random author has, like, some background in some random murder that we never knew about. All right. Well, I was going to say, when the next author surprise dark history behind a particular bestseller comes out, we will be the first to let you know. Well, maybe not the first, but we will definitely talk about it. That's for sure. <laughs> all right so before we get into this this episode's main discussion i have our second sponsor which is libro fm 
Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, you can check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best. Those are your local booksellers. And listeners of Red or Dead can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. So go to Libro, Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the code BR3. And with each listen, take pride in knowing that you are supporting local bookstores. Um, so we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. All right. So our main topic for this episode is picking out books that are uh, by women in translation. So if you aren't aware, August is Women in Translation Month. And so to celebrate that, Katie and I decided to each pick up a mystery book that is women written by a woman uh, from another country that and didn't write originally in English. Um, so each of us have books from authors from very different countries. So I'm very excited um, to hear about yours. Katie, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. So I picked up uh, The Whisperer by Karen Fossum, which just came out like last week. <laughs> um, this was one that um, as I was uh, finishing processing new books for my library, I was like, oh, wait a minute. A, I've had her on my list. B, um, she, I think... I was going to say, I I gets, I'm so bad with the Nordic uh, countries, but uh, she, her, um, the book takes place in Norway. She's from Norway. Um, and, but I saw that. I'm like, she's been on my list. And this book is translated. Um, yoink. I will take that one. Thank you very much. Um, so the book is The Whisperer, um, an inspector. Oh, I think it's Sayer. It's S-E-J-E-R, an inspector Sayer mystery. Um, I don't know how that is pronounced in Norwegian, um, but that's going to be my best guess. Um, so it is part of a series, but you don't have to, like, this is the first book I've read by her. So you, and I can say hands down, you do not need to, um, you do not re need to read the other books in the series. This is very much a standalone. It's, well, the, the premise is, the premise is interesting. So the main character, uh, her name is Ragna, and she is she is a person with a very, just very, kind of a very small life. She lives alone. Her she's in her mid forties. Her son has moved to Germany, I think it is, and she has basically she has a a store or has a retail job. It was kind of it would kind of be like someone in the United States working at Target, that kind, of, that kind of a job. But that's pretty much all she does. She works there full time. She comes home. She stops at the, takes the same bus, stops at the same place for food, and then goes home. She doesn't have a pet. She just, she lives in isolation. Her world is kind of, um, is defined by these very narrow, you know, kind of physical boundaries. And the interesting thing about her and where the title of the book comes from comes from is that she had to have a surgery, um, maybe like, I don't remember, it was like five, six years ago, but there, the surgery was botched and the doctor um, cut her vocal cords. And so she's not able to speak above a whisper. Um, so she's kind of just embodied this very meek, quiet person who just does not take up any space in their life or honestly in anyone else's lives. Um, so she she lives this this very self-contained life and then all of a sudden she starts getting anonymous notes in her mailbox saying that she's going to die and the, that this person is watching her. And so she's like, wait a minute, like, how have I how have I caught someone's attention? Like, she's basically like, I don't do anything. I'm, you know, I'm quiet and I keep to myself and I just kind of hide in the background. Who is this? And so the story, uh, the story is her trying to figure out who this is. And obviously, as 
time goes on and more notes start appearing and other things start happening, it, um, you know, the the sense of paranoia kind of starts to build, and we kind of and we watch this self-contained person start to unravel. And the really interesting thing about this book is that it alternates between her perspective, like you know, as this is unfolding, and then it alternates with her being interviewed in jail by Inspector Sayer. Um, and so you know from the beginning that that a murder has been committed and she is in jail because of it. So we're getting kind of the interview process as the, as the inspector asks her questions and kind of teases out information about her, what happened, her, you know, just her, her personal life, trying to paint a picture of, of what happened. And then it alternates with the, with the previous events, like as they unfold in real time. Um, so it's one of those books where you, you piece stuff together, but it isn't until the end that everything really kind of starts to come together. This book is really interesting. It is very, it is a very quiet sort of a book. If you're looking for a book with like a big plot twist or, you know, some, some kind of big, bold, brash novel, this isn't it. That is not anything bad against this book. It's just a very, it's a very quiet, kind of thoughtful mystery, um, which fits with the with the main character's personality and, and you know, the, the kind of person she is. Um, it's really interesting because the inspector, like when he's asking questions, he's careful to treat her with respect and ask thoughtful questions like, you don't see like to bring up like the Dublin Murder Squad, any of Tana French's books. The detectives are they're they're going a mile a minute. They're trying to they're trying to catch someone on the wrong foot. They're trying you know they're trying everything that they can to manipulate, to deceive, to trick the person into confessing or slipping up. It's very aggressive and suspenseful. And this is, there isn't that sense of aggression. It's just kind of like this, this, you know, like I am, he has a duty to, un, to find out what happened, like what, you know, led up to the murder, but it's not, but it it's, it's, it's almost like a sense of curiosity, like trying to get to know this woman as a human being, which is, so shocking. And I i mean, this is one of the reasons why we're picking, you know, books written that were uh, translated, because this is a way to expose yourself to different cultures. And I mean, compared to, you know, the American uh, penal system, this sounds downright pleasant. <laughs> like she's in her cell, but she gets decent food and the guards treat her with respect. And, you know, there isn't um, you don't see the kind of horrific violence and poor and poor living conditions that you do in America um, or other countries. And so, yeah, it was a really interesting, it was a really interesting read. Um, I will say, without giving away too many spoilers, um, this book does talk about issues of mental health, which can be which can be problematic especially um with crime novels because in in other crime novels like the you know if the when you find out like oh the main character has a mental illness like that you know or that the person who has a mental illness is like the perpetrator of a crime or all it can bring up problematic um it, it can bring up problematic stereotypes about people who have mental illness. Um, if that is something that you are particularly sensitive to, just be warned that they that they do talk about mental illness in a way that some people may not be okay with. But overall, it still felt like it was handled fairly respectfully. Um, just know that 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 is touched on in the book. So, so just so that you're not blindsided by that. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting book. And I think like when I think of Nordic crime fiction, I think like super, super dark, like 
the the girl with the dragon tattoo series or Joe Nesbo or any of these other authors where or um Ursa Sigurdardotter or any of these other authors where these books are like oh my goodness these are this is really really dark um this was not like that i mean there was a darkness to it but it's but it's not at all overwhelming it's it's like this is almost kind of pleasant <laughs> if you can call murder pleasant um but yeah i thought it was a really interesting read it was definitely a change of pace from what i usually read but um i'm glad i picked it up uh so again that was the whisperer by karen Fossum, um and is part of the inspector sayer mystery series um of course i did not jot down what the first book in that series is um but you do not need to read the series in order this works perfectly well as a standalone all right, so the book that I picked up is called Betty Boo, and it is written by Claudia Pinheiro and is translated by Miranda France. Um, and this was originally written in Spanish. Uh, the author is from Buenos Aires, uh, so it's originally published in Argentina. She's a really well-known Argentinian writer. And so I was really excited to pick this one up. Um, this is a standalone mystery book, which is very exciting, but also very sad because I want more books with these characters. Um, so uh, in this story, uh, the book starts off with um, this maid finding out that the house that she is like hired to clean um the owner of the house is dead in his like sitting in a chair in the living room. Um, he's like this well-known um, like industrialist, I think is what they call him in the story. Um, and he lives in like an exclusive, uh, like secured neighborhood. So there's already like a lot of suspicions because like his throat was slit. Um, and so someone either you, like you need to like show a significant amount of identifications and proof uh, and get confirmed that you're allowed to even enter the neighborhood. Like someone from the neighborhood has to like check you in sort of things like that. So it's a very secure neighborhood. So there's only like a certain amount of people who are able to get in and things like that. Um, it's also kind of suspicious because uh, the man who died, his wife died. I think it's like, three years or something like that uh, before he died. And she was also found murdered um, with her throat slit. And a lot of people believe that the husband actually did the murder, but he was um, like found innocent or like the trial was thrown out or something along those lines. But a lot of people still believe that um, he was still the culprit behind it. Um, so, in the story, you're mainly following three characters. One of them is this novelist named Nareet Iskar, who is um, affectionately known as Betty Boo, uh, because she has like these dark black curls that remind people of Betty Boop. And then there is this journalist whose name is um, Jaime something, I can't remember what his last name is. Um, he is basically like the seasoned crime reporter at this newspaper. Um, but he has been moved from his position to like the culture section, I think it is. And so now he just writes these like dumb fluff pieces for the newspaper, despite the fact that he has like all this experience as a crime reporter. And then he, and basically what they were trying to do is like encourage him to take the buyout so that way he'll leave the newspaper and they won't have to pay him you know, his high salary anymore. Um, and then the third person is like the new crime editor who is like this really green reporter who is like just been freshly hired um, and doesn't really know what he's doing. So the owner of this newspaper uh, used to be in a relationship with Nareed and the novelist. And so he calls her to basically help write stories about the murder. Um, he wants more like feature opinion pieces from her, like man on the street, um, I like point of view sort of thing, while the crime editor will write the more like straightforward facts pieces for the newspaper. And so the three of them end up teaming up to basically try to figure out what's happening here. Um, and then the story starts to take some really interesting turns. Uh, so first I'm going to start talking about the way this book is written. Um, the way that Pinheiro writes, she, all of her uh, writing is in like one giant block of text. Like there are paragraphs, but like the paragraphs are all like a page, if not longer. Um, and then there are no quotation marks. All of the 
dialogue is contained within those paragraphs. So I've read like a handful of novels that have been written by various South American authors. And I've noticed that this is a thing that a lot of South American authors do. And I know it's a thing that bothers a lot of people. Like some people get really irritated when there aren't quotation marks and there aren't like clear punctuation for stuff like that. So be forewarned for that. Uh, but I personally don't really mind it that much because I feel like it really draws you into the story. Uh, the way that the dialogue is written is very conversational. And so it feels like you're just sort of like listening in on the things that they're talking about. Um, like I mentioned at the top, the characters in here are so well developed. I love this book for the characters alone. Um, you get a lot of like history and backstory to all of these characters and find out a lot about their own personal motivations. And I just was so delighted by all of them that I want to read more books where these people are solving crimes together. Um, it is a bit of a slow burn book. So like the the murder happens at the beginning, very beginning of the story. Then the next part of the story is basically like the setup of getting all of these writers together to get the story going. But there's a lot of like backstory given to all of the characters. And it's not until like past the halfway point, I think, when they actually start like really getting into the crime. So if you are someone who wants like a plot driven, like fast paced sort of crime story, then this is not that book for you. This is very much a slow burn. And it isn't until like the last third or so of the story where the actual crime solving starts off get starts going. Um, but I was again, completely okay with it, because I don't mind character driven stories like that. So I just like, was along for the ride. I really enjoyed the writing style personally. Um, and I think that the twists that happen in the story, they're not really twists, but sort of like the plot developments that happen along the way in the story are like really surprising to me. And I just, I really, really enjoyed this a lot. And I definitely want to pick up more of Claudia Pinheiro's work. I think there's been like, four or five books that have been translated um, into English. So she's definitely an author who I will now have on my list to check out more of. Um, so again, that one is called Betty Boo. And I definitely recommend it as a great place to start with this author. Well, you sold me. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was like, I was very surprised by how much I like this book, just because I think a lot of times, I'm sure a lot of people have this feeling too. There's like a slight hesitation when picking up novels in translation because you don't really know if it's going to work very well. Um, so I think also kudos to Miranda France for doing a great job translating it. Um, but I think like the story, it's like very much, again, a character driven story. And I love character driven stories. And like the mystery just seems to be a nice added benefit almost to also reading this book because it is a mis like it says in here, it's like, the latest thriller, like all of the marketing copy keeps calling it a thriller, but it's not a thriller at all. It's just like a straight up crime story. That's a character driven crime story. So if that's your jam, definitely pick it up. All right. Well, if any of you lovely listeners have any suggestions for um, other books that we should check out by um, female authors that have been translated into English, please do let us know. This is a um, this is a really great way for us and for other mystery readers to to just you know broaden your horizons, experience other cultures, and seeing how. Um, See, just seeing the differences in how, you know, crimes are investigated or how certain, how different social norms drive, um, drive the characters or may drive, uh, the, the certain crimes that are committed. Um, but yeah, there's just so many, so many interesting books. So if you have any suggestions for us, please do let us know. We are always looking for those. All right. So I have our new releases for this episode. Um, there are a number of really good books that are coming out. So I'm very excited to talk to you about them. First up, I have Miami Midnight by Alex Segura. This one is already out as you guys are listening to this. Um, this is the, I believe, fifth, but definitely the final book in the Pete Fernandez series. Um, so the first book in the series is called Silent City. And this is a series that I've personally been meaning to check out for a long time just because I've heard really, really good things about this as like a really great like PI detective story if that's your jam. 
So um, in this book, it's been a number of years since Pete Fernandez's uh, latest closest brush with death and after months of recovery the newly sober pete has managed to rebuild his life contentedly running a small miami bookstore and steering clear of the dangers of private eye work so when an aging cuban mobster asks pete to find out who killed his drug addicted jazz pianist son and to locate his missing daughter-in-law pete balks until another victim suggests that the murder of the gangster's son may be connected to the people that nearly ended Pete's life, while revealing an unexpected, dangerous truth about the death of Miami of the Miami PI's own mother. Um, so, like I said, last book in a series. So, if you are the type of person who likes to read series in order, uh, the first book is called Silent City. And again, Miami Midnight is already out, so you can zoom through that five book series if you would like. Uh, next up, I have The Swallows by Lisa Lutz. Uh, this has been a book that I've been hearing a lot of uh, big buzz about. Lisa Lutz wrote the book The Passenger, um, at, which I know a lot of people really enjoyed. Um, so when Alexandra Witt joins the faculty at Stonebridge Academy, she's hoping to put a painful past behind her. Then one of her creative writing assignments generates some disturbing responses from students. Before long, Alex is immersed in an investigation of the students atop the school's social hierarchy and their connection to something called the dark room. She soon inspires the girls who've started to question the school's boys will be boys attitude and incites a resistance. But just as the movie Movement is gaining momentum, Alex attracts the attention of an unknown enemy who knows a little bit too much about her and what brought her to Stonebridge in the first place. Uh, meanwhile, Gemma, a defiant senior, has been plotting her attack for years, waiting for the right moment. Shy loner Norman hates his role in the dark room, but can't find the courage to fight back until he makes an unlikely alliance. And then there's Finn Ford, an English teacher with a shady reputation who keeps one eye on his literary ambitions and one on Miss Wit. As the school secrets begin to trickle out, a boys versus girls skirmish turns into an all-out war with deeply personal and potentially fatal consequences for everyone involved. Um, so this is um, a new book that takes place at a New England prep school. Um, it's being described as a timely tale of revenge um, and shows what can happen when silence wins out over decency for too long. Um, and again, that one is called The Swallows. Um, and also that one is already out. Um, and then also already out is The Perfect Sun by Lauren North. Uh, when Tess... Clark wakes up in a hospital the day after her son, Jamie's eighth birthday. She's sure of these things. She's been stabbed. Her son is missing. Her brother-in-law and her grief counselor are involved, but no one is listening to her. After her husband, Mark, died suddenly in a terrible accident a few months earlier, the only thing keeping Tess together is Jamie. Um, as they struggle to make sense of their new life without Mark, they find joy in the brief moments of normalcy, like walking to school and watching television together. Um, life is hard, but Tess has Jamie, and that's what matters. But there in the hospital, confused and surrounded by people who won't listen, Tess's world falls apart. To save her son, she must piece together what happened between Mark's death and Jamie's birthday, but the truth might be too much for her to bear. Um, so this is a debut novel of psychological suspense about a recently widowed mother, her young son, and the lengths she'll go to in order to keep him safe. Um, so that's called The Perfect Son by Lauren North, and that one is already out as well. And then coming out next week on August 20th is The Whisper Man by Alex North. After the sudden death of his wife, Tom Kennedy believes a fresh start will help him and his young son heal. A new beginning, a new house, a new town, Featherbank. But the town has a dark past. 20 years earlier, a serial killer abducted and murdered five residents. Until Frank Car Carter was finally caught, he was nicknamed the Whisper Man, for he would lure his victims out by whispering at their windows at night, and that's terrifying. I'm sorry. Um, just as Tom and Jake settle into their new home, a young boy vanishes. His disappearance bears an unnerving resemblance to Frank Car Carter's crimes, reigniting old rumors that he prayed with an accomplice. Now, detectives Amanda Beck and Pete Willis must find the boy before it is too late, even if that means Pete has to revisit his great foe in prison, the Whisper Man. And then Jake begins acting strangely. He hears a whispering at his window.
So this is a new dark suspenseful thriller. Um, Alex North is weaving a multi-generational tale of a father and son caught in the crosshairs of an investigation to catch a serial killer. Um, So again, that one is called The Whisper Man by Alex North, and it comes out next week. I'm so glad (laughs) when you paused, you're like, I'm sorry, that's terrifying. I'm, I'm reading this going, I'm like, luring people out by whispering under their windows at night. Who's going outside after hearing that? I mean, it might be one of those situations where it's like you go out to make sure everything's okay sort of situations. You're like, oh, I'm hearing things. Let me just make sure like everything's okay. And then they get you. That's very possible. I mean, I've seen a horror movie. (laughs) That's how they get you. (laughs) Not everyone is as well versed in horror movies as you are, Katie. Oh, God. Yeah, I realized... I realized that um, whispering didn't used to wig me out, but then I watched the Netflix miniseries, uh, the Ted Bundy Files, or whatever it was called, that four-episode ser- four, uh, series, and in the last one, they have an audio clip of him whispering to um, a police officer, him confessing to his crimes about how what he did with the bodies and like how there's a head buried somewhere and the whispering just had me up the wall. I was like, oh my God, that is the most terrifying thing I've ever heard in my life. And now I don't do whispers anymore. Yeah, no, um, no, no, thank you. Okay, well, um, I'll go ahead and jump in, give you a brief overview of what I have finished, what I'm starting. Um, what I have finished, not much. What I am starting, um, I am still reading theme music by T... Uh, Marie Vandelli, which I mentioned uh, last episode, I was either I had either had started or was going to start it. Um, I have started it. Holy cow, this book is dark and violent, and yikes! Lots of bad, lots of bad life choices in here that you just kind of want to scream at the book, going, "What are you doing?" Um, but is it compelling? Absolutely. Uh, so I hope to be finished with that shortly. Um, and then just because I have been having such a hard time finding a good audiobook to listen to, I started listening to Mr. Mercedes by Stephen King. I've already read the book. Um, that was a few years ago, so it's been a while. Um, but uh, the I knew that this was going to be a good audiobook to listen to. And it is. It is, um, well, I knew I liked the book. Um, and it's Stephen King. Stephen King's my favorite author. Um, so I knew I was going to enjoy it, and I'm enjoying it very much. Um, so not much to update with that. I know how the story ends, but it's fun revisiting it, and then this will give me an opportunity to uh, read the last or the next two books in the trilogy, which I have not yet read. All right. I, I have actually finished some books. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, so first up, I read American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson, which Katie has talked about in previous episodes and we've mentioned before. Um, but if you aren't aware, this takes place in the 1980s um, during the height of the Cold War. You are following uh, Marie, who it works with the FBI. She's a black woman, um, basically trying to navigate her way through this like old white man club. Um, and her career has basically stalled because the... Uh, her like supervisor or whatever doesn't really believe that she can like handle bigger opportunities so she's like has all this sort of like paper pushing sort of jobs um and then she gets the opportunity to basically like join this like undercover shadowy task force i think it's like in partnership with the cia or something along those lines um and what she's supposed to do is basically find out information um to help undermine this man named Thomas Sakura, who is this revolutionary in Burkina Faso. And the book is set up in a way where it's all written as like letters to her son. So there's like these slow reveals about parts of her life and things that happen over the course of this mission and the things that she eventually finds out. Um, I adore this book. It was so good. It's fantastic like care again character driven storyline it's a completely unique point of view on like spy novels it's not like typical espionage spy stories but there is a decent amount of like espionage happening in the story um i've seen some people talk about this book and say that it's like chiclet which like irritates me a lot because i think the only reason why they say that is because it there's like a romance element in here um and it's written by a woman that's my only guess but i honestly think that if you are someone who enjoys like character-driven stories um 
pick up American Spy. It's definitely like one of the best books I've read so far this year. And then the other book that I picked up was actually a comic book, and it's a Clue comic. Um, I think I've talked about this one in previous episodes as like a book I would potentially read. Um, but it's by Paul Allure, written by Paul Allure, and illustrated by Nelson Daniel. Um, this is something I picked up completely on a whim. I was literally just walking through my local comic book store and saw it, like it was face out on a shelf. And I was like, well, I don't know what that is, but I have to pick it up because it's a Clue comic. Um, <laughs> So that was basically my only thought process behind this thing. Uh, So this was really interesting. I don't necessarily know if it's like worth running out and buying from your comic book store, but if you can get a copy from your library, I think it's kind of interesting because it's very different from any other clue thing that I've ever experienced before, like the movies or like the puzzle books as a kid or anything like that. Um, Other than like the characters having like the character names, nothing else really seems very similar outside of the fact that like all these characters come together to at Mr. Body's house and Mr. Body ends up dead. And then um, the volume that I got, it's just like a single collection because it was like a limited run series. So it's just like six issues. Um, So the story goes really fast, but there are some interesting twists and turns. And there's also like a character who breaks the fourth wall quite a bit. So it has that sort of like wink winking aspect to it um if you read like deadpool or something like that you'll be familiar with that sort of idea it it sort of takes it to that level um and it does some like really interesting things with breaking the fourth wall which i'm not going to get into because that will be like you know spoilers um so yeah I i thought it was just really interesting and i'm really glad that i read it and i found out by like reading it and then like looking stuff up online that idw who published this clue comic is now doing another clue run um that's like really new so like this one was originally published in 2017 and now they're doing another series clue comic run um like currently that's being like published in single issues so yeah i I liked it it wasn't bad i recommend getting it from the library as something different to check out so again that's a clue comic by paul allure and nelson daniel All right. So that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. Um, You can find all of the links to all of the articles that we talked about in this episode, as well as links to all of the books that we mentioned. If you enjoy the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as that helps other people find us and be able to check us out. Um, As Katie mentioned at the top of the show, we are always happy to get show suggestions or questions from you guys. So if you want to email us, you can do that at red or dead at bookriot.com otherwise you can find me on twitter and instagram i am at rincy a and i am on twitter at kt underscore library lady and we will talk to you guys next time bye bye